Good morning, church. Good morning. You guys look great today. Didn't need the extra hour sleep at all. You're doing great. Got the coffee, worship. It's awesome and feeling good. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here this morning as we kind of reorient our lives around God's plans and God's purposes and live our lives for His name and for His glory. You know, we started a brand new series last week and it's called Love Everyone Always. And that's the call of God on our lives as His disciples, that we are called to live this life of love. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, uh, I'm glad you're here. You know, maybe you have spiritual questions, you're just checking things out, you're kind of wanting to know. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. But you can live however you want, right? I mean, you can run after money or power, success, all the things in this world. That, that's fine. But if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, and there's a time that you've said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a disciple. God has a different agenda for us, right? And we're called to live as God wants and desires for us to live. We're not just called to run after the things of this world that think they're going to satisfy. We're called to live as disciples of Christ. So that's what we're talking about in this series because Jesus says, hey, love. Love who? Everyone, right? When? Always. That's my call to you to be a disciple of mine. Last week we looked at the one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and we saw this, that, you know, here's this guy left half dead on the side of the road, Jesus says, and a priest goes by, a Levite goes by, but it was a Samaritan. Like, and the Jews hated the Samaritan, but it was a Samaritan that stopped and helped and stepped in. And we said, you know, love is often inconvenient, right? It wasn't like a Google calendar request, you know, like stop and help this guy. It was, it was us going and living our lives and being willing to be interrupted. To have spiritual conversations with our kids, they come at kind of the most, you know, inopportune times. But those are the times we love. Those are the times we step in. It's self-sacrificing. It's how can I love? How can I put others before myself? And then today we're going to see this. Love is also proactive. Not just reactive when I see a need to step in and meet it, yes. But also to be proactive, to look around and say, how can I serve? God, how can you use me? God, right where you put me. Let me be a person of love. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll put the words up here on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word says. Also, if you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles for you. They're in the back. Love for you to grab one, follow along with us. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures there as well as we unpack God's word today. So Matthew chapter 9, and here's what we see in verse 9. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, okay? So Jesus, remember, he's doing his earthly ministry. He started his earthly ministry at the age of 30, miracles and teaching and everything is leading up to Easter, Right, so everything in the Gospels is pointing to his death, his burial, and then ultimately his resurrection, providing a way for you and me. And he's going along, and he sees this guy, Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, back then, tax collectors were like hated people, okay? I mean, nobody likes, even today, nobody likes paying taxes, right? Nobody likes paying taxes. Nobody liked paying taxes back then. It's almost tax season. We're all like, oh, great, April 15th, here we go. Well, back then, if you were a tax collector, you were a Jew who sold out to the Romans. 
Remember the Romans have occupied this whole area that's the Roman Empire and they're over Palestine. And there were certain Jews who came to the Romans and said, hey, we'll collect taxes from our own people. And the Romans are like, okay, great, you're a tax collector and here's how it worked. Whatever you collect over and above the taxes that goes to the Romans, you get to keep. <laughs> and they're like, oh, great. This is a good deal for us, right? So like if the tax rate was, went up 8% that year, then the tax collectors would charge 12%. And, and then they had the entire Roman army to back them up. So they would come to you and say, hey, I want you at 12%. You're like, but it's only 8%. No, it's 12% now, buddy. You know? And you, they would keep that extra 4%. So tax collectors were really wealthy. Really wealthy, really successful, shrewd business guys, right? We're making a lot of money. And here's Matthew, a tax collector, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And Jesus comes up and Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. He told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. I mean, Matthew's like, he's got this good deal going on. He's making a lot of money. But, but he sees something in Jesus and he goes, you know what? My life's not all about just making money or power or success. I want meaning. I want purpose. I want hope. I want joy. I want peace. I'm following Jesus. I'm going after Jesus. <laughs> I'm walking with Jesus. I mean, that's amazing. You know, he just gets up and is like, hey, peace out, guys. I'm going with him. This is a miracle worker. I'm seeing redemption. He's got the words of life. I want to be there. It's interesting, you know, Matthew is called Matthew here, but, but in the other Gospels, his name is Levi, right? Jesus at some point changes his name. Matthew means, Matthew means the Lord is a gift. The Lord is a gift. And here's Matthew, and Jesus comes along and says, hey, you're a gift. You're a gift from God. God's got a plan and a purpose for you, Levi. Your name is going to be Matthew. And Matthew calls himself Matthew. I'm going with that name. You notice how Jesus changes names? You ever notice that? You're reading through and it's like Simon comes up to him and, and he goes, hey, you're no longer Simon. You're going to be Peter. It's like, well, hey, good to meet you. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to be Peter. Your name Peter means rock. And if you know anything about Simon Peter, he was nothing but a rock. I mean, he was like, you know, impetuous and he was always putting his foot in his mouth. But Jesus saw potential in him. The apostle Paul, his original name was Saul. And then his name's changed to Paul. Paul means humble. It, it, Jesus always sees potential. He doesn't define you or define people by their past mistakes or their mess-ups or their failures. He defines you by what God's going to do through you. He sees the potential in you. And isn't that good news today? He sees the potential in you. He looks at you and he loves you and he calls you. He says, follow me. And while Jesus was having dinner, verse 10, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So Matthew goes, hey, I'm going to have a party. I'm not going to be a tax collector anymore. I'm going with Jesus. But hey, I want all of the people, my friends, family, everybody who likes me, which is not a lot of you guys, but all of you who do like me, I want you to come over to my house because I'm just going to have a party. I'm going to invite Jesus, the one who changed my life. I want you to meet him. Come over and meet him. And so they do. They show up. And Jesus shows up with his disciples and Jesus is at the party. He's at the party with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners, right? Jesus is right there in the middle of it, talking to them and laughing and cutting up. In verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. Now, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. 
They're the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the expert in the law. We saw that guy last week. These are the guys who think they got it all together. They got it all, they got God all figured out. They've got it perfect down. And they're arrogant. They're kind of stuck up, right? They think it's all about them and they're not worried about anybody else. They're Pharisees. And they're standing outside the party because they would not go into the party and associate with tax collectors and sinners. So they're standing outside the party and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What is he doing? Why does he hang out with those kind of people? Are you kidding me? And notice this, verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said. So they're outside. They kind of got the disciples cornered, right? And Jesus hears the discussion and Jesus walks out and goes, I'll tell you. You're asking my disciple, I'll tell you. Here I am. Hey, he says this. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. He goes, guys, think about it. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick, right? I mean, if we're healthy today, we all feel good today. We're not going to call the doctor and go, hey, can I come over and get a shot? You know, I mean, I'm feeling great today, but I love shots. You know, I just want to come over. No, no, no. It's not the healthy, it's the sick. It's the people who need God. It's the people who need hope and need help. And then verse 13, this is kind of one of those drop the mic kind of statements from Jesus. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, these you know, Bible scholars, he's like, go back and read the Old Testament. You remember Hosea, the prophet? Remember when God spoke to the prophet in Hosea 6.6? He says, you remember that? And, and, and the prophet's rebuking the people because the Jews were running after money and power and success, the things of this world. And they were forgetting about the poor. And they were forgetting about the broken. And what did God say back in Hosea, like hundreds of years before this? He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You're going to the temple and you're bringing your animals, you're doing your sacrifice, but listen, I desire mercy. I desire life change. I desire pouring into others. I desire making a difference. Hey, learn what that means and then come back and talk to me. That's what he's basically saying. You go and you figure it out and then you come back and talk to me. For I, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus is laying it out right here. This is what I'm about. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've come to redeem and restore. And praise God for that truth, right? Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus didn't come just for the people who have it all together and have it all figured out and have everything perfect. He came for every one of us. In our lives, I just kind of wonder sometimes, are, are we looking more like Pharisees or are we looking more like disciples, right? And sometimes we can stand outside the party and go, whoa, man, you know, I don't want to hang out with those people or this or that. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Listen, I came for all people. Now, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down just to get with us today. First of all, Jesus chose you. Man, that is a self-esteem builder today right there, guys. Look at this. You know, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Notice this. Matthew didn't get up and go, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus came to him. And think about this. Jesus came to you. I mean, it's not an accident that you're here today. Maybe a friend brought you, but you, God has a plan or a purpose for you. 
God's been drawing you to himself, maybe since you were a little child, and by God's grace, you grew up in a Christian home, and by God's grace, you have parents who poured into you, but Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. Now, here's the thing. Matthew accepted Jesus' invitation, and he followed him. I often wonder, you know, Jesus, did you call other disciples? They were like, no, we're not going to do it. No, yeah. Yeah, he did. Some people were like, well, I'm busy. I can't do that. I'm not going to follow you. But Matthew did. And man, life gets incredible when you follow Jesus. I mean, Matthew could have sat there in his tax collector's booth and he could have been there for a few more years and he would have died and, you know, all the money was gone and it didn't matter, you know. But Matthew gets to go and experience the incredible joy of following Jesus. He could have never dreamed what God was going to do. He could have never dreamed what that yes was going to be in his life. I'll follow you. Jesus called him. And here's the thing for us, right? Jesus invites you to follow him. Jesus invites you to follow him. See, the Christian life is not just, hey, when I was eight years old, I, I prayed a prayer. Or when I was a little baby, my parents brought me to church and, and that was kind of it. And that was my get out of hell free card. Now I don't have to go to hell. I can live however I want to and my eternity is secure. The Christian life is discipleship. The Christian life is following Jesus. The Christian life is falling more in love with Jesus. The Christian life is using the gifts that God has given you for his name and for his glory. That's the exciting part. Jesus invites you on that kind of journey. He has plans for you you can't even begin to dream or imagine. And you can sit over there on the back and so I'm going to just play it safe and stay over here. You can follow Hey, I don't exactly know how this is going to go down, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm walking on this journey with you. See, we are the disciples today. We, we are. You know, there was Matthew and Peter and James and John. They were all back then. Today, it's you. It's me. He's called us to be his disciples. And what an incredible calling and an incredible life. In John chapter 15, if if you want to look up there, John chapter 15, these are the very words of Jesus. In verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So whenever you're having a bad day or whenever you kind of feel down on yourself, whenever you feel like you don't measure up, whenever you feel like, you know, other people are better than you or whatever, just think about that. The sovereign God of the universe chose you. He invited you on this journey. He chose you and, notice that's an and, just kind of underline that in your Bible. He chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That you might go and invest in things that are going to make a difference. Invest in things that are eternal. Invest in things that will further God's kingdom. That's what he chose you for. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then look at verse 17. Jesus is saying this, this is my command, love each other. Love each other. This is how the world's going to know you're different. This is how the world's going to see, hey, there's something different about that person. They're a disciple of Christ. In John chapter 13, Jesus says, by this all men will know you're my disciples. If you have great worship songs, that's important, right? Or great Bible study, that's important, but no. If you love one another, the way you treat each other radiates the world the way God loves. Jesus chose you to be an ambassador. Jesus chose you. Notice this, number two. Jesus came for the spiritually lost. Jesus came 
for the spiritually lost. Right? It's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Matthew was a tax collector, which in the Jews' mind was lower than a sinner. Did you notice that here in Matthew chapter 9, how many times it says this, like Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came, right? I mean, the Pharisees, they saw their disciples and they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like tax collector is so bad, like it's below a sinner, right? There's normal sinners, like all the, and then there's tax collector sinners, you know? I mean, it's like you are that low. It's unbelievable, but there's Jesus hanging out with them. Why? Because Jesus loves all people. He loves all people. The story last week he told, Samaritan. Jews hated the Samaritans. Now they called them half-breeds. They called them dogs. I mean, it was racism. It was bigotry. And now you got a tax collector. You think Jesus is making a point? Yeah. What's Jesus saying? Love everyone. Even people of a different political party? Yeah. Even people of a different nationality? Yep. Even people of a different religion? Yep. Even people who don't agree with me? Yep. Love. Love. It's hard to judge someone when you're loving them, right? And you love. Now, here's the thing. You can love someone without agreeing with everything they do. You can love someone without agreeing with everything they do. If you're a parent in here, there's going to be times that your child will do something that you will not agree with. Just a heads up, right? I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. I watched it middle school, high school, college. You know, there's going to be things you're just going, no. You can see the big picture. You're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go out with him. Bad news, I can tell you. But there will be times. But when they do that, do you ever stop loving them? No. You never stop loving them. There's going to be people around you. They're going to do some things that you may not agree with. And you stand up for what's right. You be a person of integrity, a person of character. But you also don't spend time bashing. You don't spend time like going, hey, I'm going to judge you. You love and encourage. Here's the thing about Jesus. He knows, hey, I'm going to redeem a heart. I'm going to change a life. When I change a life, they're going to change because they're going to desire the things that are greater, that are good. You can love people without agreeing with people. You keep the standards. You hold on to the things that are right. And you stand up in your own life for integrity. But you always love. One of my favorite stories in here is in John chapter 4. And Jesus and his disciples, they were going through Samaria. They're like, they're like, like most Jews walked around the country. They couldn't stand the Samaritans so much. Jesus walked right through. And he goes and he stops at Jacob's well. And there's a woman who's coming out to draw water. And he sends the disciples off. He goes, hey guys, uh, you go into town and get some food for us. And so Jesus is right there. This woman comes out. It's in the heat of the day, right? Where, where like, you know, she didn't come with the other women. She came in the heat of the day. She was out there. And, and Jesus is sitting there. And he says to the woman, hey, will you get me something to drink? And she's like, what? You're talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, division. I'm a woman, you're a man, division. I've made a lot of mistakes, you're a rabbi, division, right? And all these divisions, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm talking to you, you know? In fact, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water. And she's like, wow. He's like, hey, go call your husband and we can talk about it. And at that, you know, kind of her head falls and 
She's like, well, I don't have a husband. And she just goes, yeah, you're right, you, you don't. You've had five, actually. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And she's like, wow, uh, I can see you're a prophet. Um, you know, our people worship on this mountain and the Jews worship on that mountain. Where, where do you think we ought to worship? And Jesus makes that statement, right? There's a time coming when we're gonna worship in spirit and truth. And she says, well, when the Messiah comes, we'll get it all figured out. And Jesus goes, the one you're talking to, I am he. What? Jesus, the first person he revealed himself to as the Messiah was a Samaritan woman. Like with a questionable reputation, you're going, what are you doing? Why? Because Jesus loves all people. Jesus could have sat there and gone, what were you thinking? Five men, oh man, that's terrible. I, I, I can't believe that. Are you, oh my goodness, you are so far from God. No, he didn't do that, right? He looked at her, he loved her. He said, let me tell you, and she got so excited. If you read in John chapter four, she goes back into town and she starts telling everybody, hey, come out and meet a guy who told me everything. He's the one, he's the one we've been waiting for. She is so excited. And it's amazing when you just start talking about Jesus, people's lives, man, they just perk up. They're like, whoa, wow. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know that was the kind of God, that God is love. I didn't know any of that. Here's the thing. Everyone is fighting a battle. Everyone's fighting a battle. There was an article in USA Today. Right now in America, deaths because of alcohol, because of drugs, and because of suicide are at all-time high all-time high, ever since they started keeping records on this at an all-time high. And you're thinking, why? I mean, we're the most successful nation that's ever been, the most wealthy nation that's ever been, the most connected nation that's ever been. What in the world? Everybody's fighting a battle. And we could put on nice clothes, we could dress everything up around, but man, everybody is struggling. And everyone needs community in Christ. We all do, Right? I don't know how people make it in this life without community, without people around to encourage us and to hold us up and to hold us accountable and be there for us. It, but I especially don't know how people make it without Jesus. I don't know how people make it without Jesus. And Jesus said, you're my ambassador. Go, share, love. And here's the thing. When, when you're passionate about something, you want to tell others. Right? When you're passionate about something... You want to tell others. Matthew was so passionate about it, he wanted all of his friends to know. He's like, hey guys, come over and meet Jesus. Come over and meet Jesus. I want you to meet him. When you're passionate about something, you want everybody to know. If you're a grandparent here, you're passionate about your grandkids, right? You want everybody to know. You're like holding up your phone. You're like, look, my grandson hit a home run yesterday. Yep, T-ball, crushed it. He's going to be an all-star. I mean, you're like, yeah, right, you know? Hey, look, look, my granddaughter, she's six. Look at that pirouette and that ballet recital. She, oh, she's amazing. She's gonna be on Broadway. I'm just telling you. I mean, and you're all like, I don't even know your kids. You know? <laughs> but, but you know what? Like, there you are. They're so proud. They're so passionate. Uh, this week, there will be an SEC basketball tournament in downtown Nashville. And there are gonna be some passionate fans down there, right? I mean, some of us, right? We'll be down there, right? I mean, I'm telling you, it's gonna turn this any blue. There'll be a lot of Kentucky fans there. It's gonna be orange. we Tennessee fans. I mean, People are passionate, and it's great. I mean, I love basketball. It's great. I mean, you know, Final Four is coming up, March Madness. I'll fill out my bracket and everything else. But we can get excited about a lot of things. But here's the question. 
How passionate are we about Jesus? I mean, really. I mean, Matthew, he wasn't worried about, oh, what are people going to think? He was just like, hey, guys, come over and meet Jesus. And you're going, well, you know, if I start talking about Jesus, I don't know if I know enough. Matthew just met him, okay? I mean, it's like Matthew hadn't figured it out. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for 20 years, you know, 30 years. Hey, it's the opportunity for us to be passionate about him. 75%, three out of four of evangelical Christians have had less than 10 spiritual conversations in a year. And I saw that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? 75% of self-proclaimed Christians have had less than 10 spiritual conversations. You know what that means? Less than one a month. Less than one a month. And that's a spiritual conversation with your spouse or a spiritual conversation with your kids or a spiritual conversation with somebody at work or a spiritual conversation with a neighbor. Just a spiritual conversation. And I'm thinking, how in the world? Well, we lose our passion, right? We lose our joy. We, we forget. We kind of move on and get busy with life. But when you stop talking about Jesus to others, you need to check your heart. <laughs> It's like that check engine light that comes on on your car, you know. It's like something's amiss. When you stop talking about Jesus to others, that's when you need to go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm kind of moving off center here. I'm losing that joy in the journey. I need to come back and center my life. And then here's the next one. You live where you live for a reason and a purpose. You live where you live for a reason and a purpose. Matthew Matthew used his home to further God's kingdom. He's like, I got a house, probably a nice house. I'm having everybody over. I want people to come. I want people to hear about Jesus. You live where you live for a reason and purpose. I mean, think about it. You prayed about the house you moved into, didn't you? You prayed about the apartment. You, you prayed, you know, that God would be there. You prayed over it. It's an opportunity for you that God has answered your prayer and he has put you where you are for a reason. So just look around. Say, God, why am I here? Why did I get this house? Why am I in this apartment? Why am I in this condo? Why am I living where I live? God says it's for a reason and a purpose. And just like Matthew, hey, we could use our home to further God's kingdom. So how are you using your home for the glory of God? How? It, we'll have people over for March Madness, right? We'll have people over for Super Bowl parties. We'll have people over for essential oils. You know, we'll have people over for baby showers. We'll have people, I mean, we'll have people at our house for all kinds of things, right? But, but do we ever say, hey, would you just come over and hang out? And maybe we can have dinner and I can get to know my neighbors. And I want to be, do we ever have people over just to say, hey, I'd love to get to know you. And, and we can talk about things and I'll see where you are. Like, God gave you a house. God gave you a home. Do you know the people across the street? Do you know the people across the breezeway? Do we know the people around us? I was talking with a guy in our church, and he was telling me about his fourth grade daughter. His fourth grade daughter said, hey, mom and dad, I want to do a Bible study. His fourth grade daughter, she goes to public school right down the street here. And, and, and so she went to the school and asked the school, and the school said, well, we can't do it before because, you know, we don't open until 7.05. And, you know, and so she said, mom and dad, what if we did it at our house? And they were like, yeah. So once a week... She has her fourth grade friends all come to their house, that Bible study, and then mom and dad load up the two cars and take the kids to school. He's like, man, it's awesome. I sit there and I look at all these kids. It's like, they're great. I'm going, that's great. Uh, when I was in high school, you know, our junior year, I had some great friends. I was so blessed to have some friends. We, so we started a Bible study at my parents' house. 
You know, and, and there we are. And I remember one night we had a hundred teenagers at this Bible study at my parents' house. And now I'm a homeowner. And I'm like, mom and dad, how did you do that? You know, that was nuts. What were you thinking? Like letting all these teenagers at the house. And, and they were like, oh, it was fun. You know, they would order pizza. And my mom, I remember saying, hey, we just love that you guys were studying the Bible. We loved that we knew all of your friends. We knew the people you were hanging out with, right? We loved that people were there. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. My parents didn't get caught up on going, oh, a blade of grass is out of place because a bunch of teenagers are running around. Yeah, I mean, you want to have a great lawn, that's fine. But, you know, use your house for the glory of God. Use the place where you live. Here's the thing. <laughs> Be proactive and not just reactive. The Good Samaritan reactive. There's a need, I'm going to meet it. You, as a disciple, be proactive. Look around and say, how can I make a difference here? As a church, you know what? We want to help all of us, all of us do what God's called us to do. And so we are having a new initiative called Neighborhood Ambassadors, okay? New initiative, Neighborhood Ambassadors. You can sign up after the service if you're willing to sign up. You guys know the stats, right? About 80 new people a day are moving into Middle Tennessee. God's bringing people to us, uh, especially from California. I don't know why. They're all coming from California, but, but they're here, right? And so, but an incredible opportunity for us to be salt and light. Incredible opportunity for us to say, hey, I just want to welcome you to the community. So we have these little boxes. So you sign up and you say, hey, I'll take my neighborhood. Lad Park, right? Ton of people moving in. West Haven, ton of people moving in, right? Tollgate, Cherry Grove, Sullivan Farms. I mean, you name the neighborhood and there are people moving into the neighborhood, right? You can see the signs. And so we have this little box and here's a great thing. It's not that complicated, but you get a box and we will help you find an address. You see the signs and then there's some cookies in there and you just place them in the oven. Even I can do this, I think, maybe, I don't know. But I put them in the oven. My wife is a great cookie maker, by the way. Uh, but you put these in, and then you have this little box that has a flyer about Rolling Hills, and then you put it together, and you take it over. So here's a simple chart. We're going to show you a chart. You grab it from church. You bake it, right? You pack it, and you take it. It's incredible. I mean, it is awesome. And you can be a neighborhood ambassador and make a difference in somebody's life. I mean, it's incredible. Does it really work? I mean, you're kind of going, well, you know, I mean, people do this, that, does it really, does it really matter? Watch this. My name is Kristen Von Warlhoff. I'm from Southern California. Originally, I moved here five years ago. So I moved here to this neighborhood in 2014, and we didn't know anyone in Franklin aside from a couple people that I had just got hired to work with. So I didn't have any friends. I was expecting my first an only child at um, seven months pregnant, and I didn't have any community at all. Kristen moved in next door. We had heard a new family moved in, you know, saw them with their things. And, um, you know, when new people come in, I always love to take them cookies. So I, you know, as a nice thing, but also to meet them, kind of see who they are. Um, I remember probably just talking about churches and saying, hey, we go to Rolling Hills. We'd love for you to come with us sometime. Over the years, she'd been putting like flyers in my mailbox every now and then for Rolling Hills or just mentioning it. I guess I would say over the years, I'd been um, kind of watching the Hunter family and I've been seeing just how they are. They're really like the hands and feet of Jesus. I feel like I was going through a really hard time and my lawn was overgrown one day and I was like just simple things like that and next thing you know I see Kyle Hunter out there mowing my lawn 
and I'm like inside crying because of just the kindness. And so I had seen their kindness like that, and I'd seen Sarah, you know, inviting me to mom gatherings, and um, I thought, you know what, like, it's got to be something to this. Like, I really like this family, and the, I know they're really involved in their church community. Um, I should really give Rolling Hills a try. So we went and loved it. It has been so amazing to see Kristen get plugged in. Um, I mean, she has just really jumped in. Um, it's been amazing to see her faith grow through the process too. Um, I mean, she's part of community group now. She um, is greeting, she's serving on Sunday mornings and she's an amazing greeter. Um, she And then just talking to her about, um, she's in a Bible study too, just talking to her about how that has grown her faith, things that she is learning um, and the way God is working in her life has been really, really neat to see. I mean, it's just so encouraging um, and just to know that, you know, the first time you invite somebody to church, they may not come. They may not come till years later, but it's, you know, it was God's timing and just that she is here now and plugging in now. And, you know, she was ready now. So it's been really neat to see that, that process and um, just how she's thriving at Rolling Hills. I also serve at the 930, sometimes at the 11. I'm a greeter. So you might see me at the New Here banner now, <laughs> helping other new people get connected. I really love helping new people also get plugged into the church. And so I think that's why I wanted to join the greeter team because I wanted to give back in a hospitality type of way to help people, other people get connected because the church has been such a big part of my life. I mean, honestly, the whole situation, I feel like I barely did anything. You know, I told someone I go to Rolling Hills and if you would like to come, you're welcome to. I mean, that is, in my mind, that seems very insignificant, but clearly it's not. Like the Lord can use that just tiny invitation, um, you know, that happened years ago to this moment kind of full circle where now we have someone who's plugged in, growing deeper in the word, serving her church. Um, it's just amazing. So when you do zoom out from that to see it, it started with just saying, hey, I go to Rolling Hills, wanna come with me? Um, it's really cool because that's really easy to do. I mean, there was not a lot to lose from me asking saying, hey, come to church with me. Um, so it's really neat to see how God can use that. And it, it does, like when we talk about um, just the influence that can have, I mean, that's affecting Kristen, that's affecting Tessa, like that is leaving a legacy and all you did was just invite someone to church. It feels good to be where we are now. I would say um, a year ago, if you would have asked me how life was going, I would have told you about my anxiety. And um, now, if you ask me how life is going, I'm gonna tell you how good my God is and how awesome the community he's used to help us is. Did you hear that last line? If you were to ask me a year ago, I would have told you about my anxiety. If you asked me a day, I'd tell you about how good my God is. Guys, that's it. That's life change. That's what God wants us to get to be a part of and seeing lives transformed for the glory of God. I mean, it's incredible. Here's the stat I saw the other day. It's, listen, 82% of people who don't go to church said they will go if someone invites them. 82%. And Satan's always like, oh, no, don't say anything to them. It's going to be awkward. No, 82% of people are like, yes, let me know. Let me know. Love the people around you. Love the people around you. Hey, guys, Matthew loved his friends. He loved his friends. He didn't just walk off and go, all right, following Jesus, peace out. He's like, no, hey guys, come on over. I want you to meet Jesus. I want you to meet the one who changed my life. When you have a spiritual conversation with someone, what you're saying is this. You're saying, 
you matter to me and you matter to God. When you have a spiritual conversation with your spouse, what you're saying is, hey, I want to listen to you because you matter to me. And you matter to God. When you have a spiritual conversation with your children, when you have a spiritual conversation with your roommate, when you have a spiritual conversation with your neighbor, with your coworker, you're saying, you matter to me. I'm not just going to do my agenda and my busyness. I want to stop and I want to listen to you. You matter to me and you matter to God. This is how we're called to learn to love like Jesus. Have you ever noticed that Jesus, <laughs> right, in 33 years, he changed the world. And he was never in a hurry. He wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm so busy. Nobody talked to me. I've got this. I'm going. He would be interrupted. He would stop. He would listen. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus? <laughs> Aren't you glad that somebody, whether your mom or your dad or maybe a, a youth pastor or maybe a friend or maybe a neighbor, aren't you glad somebody invited you to church? Man, I am. I'm so thankful. And for Matthew, man, just that journey of following God transformed his life. Matthew never lost his passion for loving people and telling them about Jesus. He never lost it, right? We're reading Matthew's gospel. <laughs> 2,000 years later, people are still hearing about Jesus because Matthew is saying, hey, I want you to know. Guys, never lose the fire and the passion for what God's done in your life. Never lose the joy of your salvation. Never lose what it was like before you were saved, before you were redeemed, before you were restored, that the God of the universe stepped in and came to you. That God loves you. And now he's called you to love. You love because you were first loved. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are in your journey today. Maybe, maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe right where you sit, you just say, you know what? Jesus, I need you. I need your grace and your redemption in my life. Thank you for choosing me. And loving me, forgive me for my sins, redeem me, restore me. Maybe right now God's just saying to you, it's time. It's time to put a stake in the ground. Maybe for you it's to be baptized. Easter Sunday, it's coming up. Hey, I want to put a stake in the ground. I want to go forward in Christ. Maybe as we talk today, there's somebody God's put on your heart. A neighbor, a coworker, a friend extended family member and God's saying they reach out let them know that they matter to you and let them know that they matter to me maybe today you can kind of see that the passion is waning and today God's just saying hey restore that joy that love so Father God here we are your disciples Father, let us be disciples, not Pharisees. Let us be full of love and humility and grace just as we've received. God, you are meeting us here in this moment, in this time. Challenge us, change us, grow us. And let us follow you all the days of our lives. 
let that little spark inside of our heart become a raging fire of love and of grace and of joy. And let it spill over to everybody we meet where people go, there's something different about you. And we just go, it's the love of Christ. It's not me. So Father, we love you and we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.